and welcome back guys to the rogues gallery episode 15 with me here is brave dave yo and i'm here your resident gamer played at 77 we discuss valiant comics and their multi-platform so please stick with us yeah the rogue gallery thanks for tuning in Got some brave Dave sarcasm like Bruce Wayne with play dads who don't die hard like that other Bruce name. You saying you know Joe Diablo too? Sound like Spawn could really be his rider too. Yeah, comic relief with that Deadpool satire. Tune in and you can catch Captain Quagmire. Matt Swag is gonna tell you what the show's about. The road galleries like Autobots, so they rolling out. Discuss comics and cartoons that I know. I the tiger, no Rocky or Lino. Like the OG I Joe, no frats when we talking about the gamma flow. The guy walks between stars with some famous dudes. I'd rather watch Star Wars than entertainment news. So hit us up at the spot and let us know what you think. And make like Zelda and just wait for the link. Yeah. Where you gonna go for exclusive shows, comics, movies, and webisodes? The Rogue Gallery, huh? The Rogue Gallery. The Rogue. Tell us some shit, Dave. <laughs> some shit. Yeah. During New York Comic Con. 2016, along with the announcement of Ninjak versus the Valiant Universe, Valiant also announced the formation of Valiant Digital, a, a subsidiary of Valiant Entertainment aimed to produce original live action and animated content, as well as media made for the digital arena. What up? So this is kind of a huge step uh, being taken by a comic book publisher, right? Um, you know, so far with Marvel, we've seen them, you know, take over the movies. We see them, you know, have shows on broadcast television, Damn right. such as, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And through know, Netflix. Netflix is probably the most impressive work that Marvel has ever produced in terms of live action. By far. And then, you know, and they still have, you know, the Marvel cartoons that run through Disney XD. Yep. Warner Brothers, uh, DC Comics, they've always been kind of at the forefront of producing live-action material for the characters, uh, especially when Warner Brothers uh, purchased or acquired um, DC Comics, what was that, during the mid-'80s? Yeah. Uh, but prior to that, remember, in the 1950s, you know, you had the Superman TV series, Batman 66. Yep. Uh, there was also the Wonder Woman uh, TV series during the 70s, uh, the Christopher Reeves um, Superman movie, motion picture, which was a big deal at the time. Still is, because the movie... Donner. Yeah, the movie still holds up, in my opinion. Great it does. film. It really does. Like, that's Superman. Right. And uh, just the way that Christopher Reeves was able to embody that character. At this point, or at this stage, comics has you know, for a long time now, had a relationship with, like, the world of live-action movies and TV. You know, back in, what, 92, we had the Flash TV series. Yep, the John Wesley yeah. ship. That's right, the great John Wesley ship. Exactly. Everyone's more familiar with today's Flash, which is a great show. But, you know, go back to early 92, and then that was the one with John Wesley ship, which I thought was a great show. Still, I think, one of the best costumes. Yeah, the most appropriate Absolutely. For sure. Which I heard was very expensive, which kind of led to the show being canceled because... <laughs> kept tearing. Um, kept tearing, and, you know, it was very expensive. And, you know, I just think they didn't have the budget at the time to really Keep be able up. to support yeah. the show, yeah. Um, 
it sounds ridiculous, but you know, hey, these things it's are the not truth. cheap. Yeah. Um, again, there's so many examples of of uh, movies and and television shows that are inspired by comic books. You had Batman '89 with uh, Michael Keaton. Yep. You had um. <laughs> you had a terrible, terrible Generation X uh, made-for-TV movie. Uh, back in like this had to be like anywhere from like ninety five to ninety seven, and I think it was supposed to be like a pilot actually, but this thing was so awful that there was no way they were able to make that to a TV series. So they had Jubilee in it. They had um, what's the character Emma Frost in it? Emma Frost. Uh, I believe Banshee was in it. I mean, if so all these like crazy characters. Yeah, and, and for those of you that are listening right now, if you've never seen this, don't worry. You're not alone because I may be one of like six people to actually watch <laughs> this. Um, and I remember I was waiting for days to watch it because I remember seeing the commercials. I was like, oh man, I'm pumped to watch this. And I, I wasn't even familiar with Generation X at the time. Yeah. I was maybe like I don't know, 12 or 13 when this shit came out, but I knew who Jubilee was and some of the other characters. I was excited to watch it and utterly disappointed within the first few minutes of the show. I was like, like oh, this sucks. Shit. <laughs> and you can definitely find this on YouTube. Okay. It's on YouTube because I tried to rewatch it a few months ago on YouTube. I was like, yep, still terrible. Doesn't hold water. And I decided to Rick roll myself and <laughs> watch a Rick Astley uh, music video instead. There you go. Oh, wow. There you go. Um, you heard it here first. So the point is, again, I mean, we had Blade. Back in 98, which was huge. Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes. Out of prison. I'm happy for you, son. Um, tax dodger. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Listen, when Valiant re-debuted back in 2012, you had to know that they were going into this because they wanted a piece of that. Uh, they wanted a piece of the market. That pie, yeah. That pie in terms of, you know, getting that live action money. Because, listen, Spider-Man in 2002 made, what, $800 million? Uh, Iron Man 1 made, what, maybe $500 million or $700 million. The first Avengers made, like, $1.5 billion. Yeah, dude. Um, and then the amount of money that the Nolan Batman films were able to make shit ton they made a shit ton of money with the exception of Batman Begins that one maybe only made about 500 million but it did very well on DVD and the sequels did yeah I absolutely love Batman Begins well. it just had like a very soft start you know not a lot of people were talking about it it was just it just came out of left field it was I underrated guess. yeah and that was a great film it was I loved it uh, Batman uh, I'm sorry The Dark Knight Rises I thought it was kind of crappy but I love The Dark Knight it's definitely in the top 5 yeah um, movies like Spider-Man 2 I mean, all these movies that we just mentioned have have garnered literally billions of dollars. Yep. And obviously, those numbers are attractive to the Valiant administration. I mean, obviously, like, you you can't come out with a comic book company at this stage and think you're just going to make money off the books. It's just not happening. Like, this isn't the 80s or the 90s anymore where books were selling in the millions. Like, I remember Spawn, number one, 10 million copies. Jim Lee's X-Men was selling within the millions. Like, 
Like, every other day when I was on the train as a kid, I would see another kid with an X-Men comic, and I'm just like, I kind of want that book right now. Yeah, <laughs> now it's rare to see that. Like, it's rare to see that. You absolutely. still see people, though. Like, you still see people reading yeah. comic books, but it's super rare. I have seen a lot of girls recently reading uh, Miss Marvel, which made me happy. Hey, man, like, Kamala Khan. I'm happy anytime I see any kid, especially a kid, reading a book. Yep. Uh, and I love when they're reading um, a book on a diverse character. I love it. Um, but yeah, so I believe that um, that the Valiant Group had a 360 plan. You I know, agree. They wanted to get involved with the books. They wanted to get involved with the movies, with the TV shows. Um, they made the announcement. You know, two weeks ago at Comic Con about um, the Valiant Digital, which Fucking I just gave awesome. you guys the synopsis for. Um, they they released a trailer for Ninjak versus the Valiant Universe. Yeah, and I believe that they decided. Well, here's the thing. So a lot of people were kind of confused because last year they made the announcement that that they signed a production deal with Sony. With Sony Pictures, yeah, and that um, they were gonna produce um, a movie for Harbinger, Bloodshot, and the Harbinger Wars. Yeah, so they got a lot of fans excited. I got excited. I mean, I don't see why not. Right. It's just, it's just, especially it's too since, obvious not to. Right. Especially since the directors that were attached to the Bloodshot project were the directors of John Wick, which is. Fucking awesome. By and the I way, was if you like, haven't seen that shit. Yeah. And I was just kind of... My first reaction was like, all right, shit just got real. See, I mean, it just makes too much sense. It does. But it's just, what the fuck? I mean, just the shootouts alone are like bloodshot worthy. Oh, yeah. If you guys haven't seen John Wick, for fuck's sake, like, right. just stop listening or watch it right now and then come back. Exactly. <laughs> Seriously. John Wick is awesome. Can't wait for the sequel. Um, what do you call it? So... Yeah, so a lot of people were kind of confused, and I think it's, I think the reason why they decided to go and launch the Ninjak versus the Valiant Universe was to give people just an introduction to who these characters are, because yeah. obviously not everyone's reading the books. Like, we're talking about, like, trying to get, like, the general audience to kind of pay attention, or just right. to bring some notoriety to the Valiant, um, um, I think they were just trying to bring some notoriety to their company. Yeah. Which I think is a smart move. Which, I mean, the, the same can be said about, like, movies for Marvel and DC, right? Like, right. not a lot of people have even read a single book. Right. And I'd say 90% of the viewers <laughs> right. have so, not read anything. Exactly. So, it just, it makes sense, I guess, to to do this. You know, obviously, right. you need to cater to everyone, and that's fine. You know, obviously. I agree. Bits and pieces, but, you know. Yeah. Sorry, DC, but, like, <laughs> don't do what DC did. This no, is, no, don't, don't. Um, I think the Valiant um, digital is a smart move. Um, I'm very interested to see what they're going to do with the animation portion because they did make that announcement. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what that means. Like, is it going to be animation short on YouTube or? I was like, full-fledged, like, 20-minute episodes. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm intrigued, like. I I'm very interested to see what they're going to do with this. Like we need some Saturday morning cartoons again, man. Yeah. Like, Listen, I think they can give us a little bit of everything. Because their characters... You have characters like Bloodshot, 
who fulfill like that rated R content. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Oh. You know, TVMA. Right. So just think back to like you know the Spawn animated series from the from the nineties. That shit right? was that shit was hard. It was raw. It was hardcore, and I think <laughs> that would be awesome. I, I know that would definitely make uh, our co-host Matt Swagger happy. I'll be happy as well. I mean, who wouldn't be? And then you also have other characters um, that could fulfill more of that PG-13 kind of uh, void. That way they can kind of air that on the YouTube or maybe uh, one of the networks. I don't know. Yeah. Um, they have endless possibilities. Um, but what did you? What was your first reaction to the... Uh, or, or I should say your initial reaction to the... Ninjak versus the Valiant Universe trailer that they released. Listen, man, I thought that was fucking awesome. Considering I absolutely love Ninjak at right. this point, and considering like Bat in the Sun is another thing I follow. Right. I absolutely love those videos. Yeah. Uh, follow them. I vote on them when when, I, when the opportunity arises. Right. And the best part of that is like they have the freedom to just do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah, that's awesome. It is. It, it isn't strict to you know adhering to Hollywood rules. Like this right. is. Go out there and make and literally bring a comic book to life. I mean, if, if something was more baller than this, I don't know where the fuck I'd find it. Yeah, that shit's absolutely cool. I fucking love the idea, and I can't wait. I'm really proud of the Bat and the Sun guys, Aaron Shinoke and his yeah, brother. Shout out um, to you guys, seriously. Those guys have come a long way. I remember, um, man, this has to be like 2002 when. I was online and I heard rumors of a um, of a Batman Begins short film. Yeah, I remember, I've seen that. Yeah. And I was kind of like, "What?" And I and and I, and I checked out this site. Yeah, it was kind of like, "What?" You know what I mean? Like, right. so I checked out this site, Bat in the Sun. I saw all the production stills, but I wasn't able to find actual footage. Yeah. Till like years later, obviously, but um, but it was this kid named Aaron. He produced it as part of his uh, his thesis film for college, from what I remember. Yep. And I remember he had his his phone number posted online, so I called him one day, because that was before I even got into film school. I was just you know. Just curious. Just... Yeah, I was curious. I was in college at the time, and I was majoring in graphic design, but I wasn't a film student just yet. Um, I was just starting to get that itch, but I was trying to get as much information as, as I could because at that time, you know, these digital cameras that we have now, in terms of like being able to shoot um like these dslrs didn't exist yet so the only thing that existed was like the um the more um well they weren't analog cameras but it was like the panasonic dvx 100b that was out the time that was a good camera but those are all tape decks yeah so you really had to go all out to get these things done so you're either going to shoot on one of those uh, kind of cameras or you were shooting on film which was like super expensive yeah and I remember there was another uh, short film director that made like a um, kind of like alternate universe kind of like Robin trailer like Grayson Grayson yeah 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 it was called Grayson dude, and he actually shot that on film and it took him a year just to get those shots dude that shit five minutes long yeah one of the best five minutes of my life it was great I just, it was great that and um, the world's finest the World's Finals was great as Dude, well. Dude, yeah. holy shit. I saw that year, like yeah. years ago. Well, the Batman Dead End came out first. Yes. Yes. And that was fucking awesome. And that guy actually worked in the... Uh, I remember his first name was like Sandy. He was like the director of it. He actually worked in the industry. Um, 
he was doing some stuff in the industry. Yeah. And that was like his way of trying to tell like Hollywood and Warner Brothers, like, hey, if you want to do a Batman movie, I'm the guy. And that was prior to Batman Begins coming out. You know, this was like, you know, again, 2002, 2003. Yeah. Um, And at that time, you know, like, yeah, you know, Spider-Man came out, but we weren't bombarded with like comic to film adaptions at that point so yeah. the guys that were putting out these short films it kind of meant a lot to us hardcore fans but that was also the beginning of a lot of the bat in the sun stuff and then a few years later aaron produced uh batman city of scars and i was blown away by, by the production value like i was able to tell that this was obviously not made by a big budget studio but i also was able to tell that okay he spent more than just 200 bucks in this production. I mean, yeah. that was an expensive production, and you were able to tell that by watching it. I thought he did a bang-up job. And he did a bunch of other, like, Batman-related short films after that. And then, you know, a few years ago, he got into the whole, like, superhero beatdown um, videos, which got super popular. Intensely popular. And he found his way to befriend a bunch of, like, these... Um, I would say B and C level celebrities, you know, which is pretty cool. And the coming from where he came from, I'm like, that's pretty big. I mean, now he's like best buds with, uh, Jason David, David Frank. Frank. Yeah. You know, uh, Johnny, uh, I'm sorry, John Morrison, AKA Johnny Mundo, who's a pro wrestler. Yeah. He wrestled in WWE. He wrestled in, um, Lucha Underground, uh, phenomenal wrestler, uh, and a bunch of other people. Right. But Aaron has come a long way, and I'm really proud of him that he was able to kind of build this relationship with Valiant. I think this is great. This is kind of like you're going out there to the trenches, going out there to the people. You're going out there to the little guy and giving him a shot. Yeah. And I hope one day that they give Aaron a shot of directing one of their projects on the big screen. I really think this kid has done the amount of work where he deserves that chance. And, I, and, you know, Aaron, if you're listening, I, I'm really proud of you, bro. Like, I talked to you probably, like, 13, 14 years ago. You probably don't remember me. I think I called you when you were sleeping because I'm in New York. You were in California. But you were a cool guy with a phone. And I'm really proud of how far you've been able to come. I mean, this is just amazing. And uh, okay. in terms of that trailer, I thought the trailer was awesome. I think it's going to be, uh, from what I read, I think it's only going to be like maybe six episodes, but... Hey, man, that's enough. That's enough, and that should give everyone just a good introduction of, of these characters. And I hope what it does, it just makes everyone who are not familiar with these characters intrigued enough to kind of try to seek out more information. Okay, what is Valiant? Who is Bloodshot? Who is Ninjak? Who is this Exo-Man of War? Yeah. Who is this Peter Stanchek? Or whoever else is involved in this YouTube series... I really hope that encourages the fans to kind of seek out more information. Agreed. Agreed, yeah. So, you know, they still have the Sony deal, which I think I think at this point we we should expect their movies to launch around like 2018. When it initially was supposed to launch 2017, yeah. But I highly doubt they started filming anything at this point. Yeah. They're probably still in the pre-production stage. Um so I'm expecting for um for them to launch their cinematic universe around 2018. So, as a recent fan of Valiant, what is it that you're looking for? You've read Harbinger, you've read Bloodshot. 
I think you've read, you know, the Harbinger Wars, which are all things that they're going to be adapting for the cinematic universe. So what is it that you want to see? Listen, man, like, I'm not looking for any cake and watermelon. Like, right. I want them to be true to their story. Just, if they need to, you know, uh, what is it, evolve around the story somehow for film, right. that's fine. But just tell the story with respect, right. you know, just uh, be honest with the characters, you know, treat them well. Just tell the story. People... You don't, you don't need to, you know, do a, a song and dance for the audience. Like, if you love what you're doing, other people would love it too. Yeah. And, and these characters speak for themselves. Right. Um, so I'm hoping, you know, they obviously pick proper actors and they, 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 they give them the environment they deserve to be in and, and they tell a proper story. And, right. Um, and then that's all I want. You know, I, I'm not looking for, for, you know, the biggest Hollywood, you know, right. movie in the world. No, I'm looking for something honest and something that's true to the – through true to its material and and i'm sure a lot of people will feel that way obviously if, yeah. you're, if you're an avid comic book reader then you like to see something that's that's true to the story and obviously if they take their time yeah i'm sure they can get it i think that's the the key thing is about them taking their time i would i guess my next question for you would be all right so we've seen what both marvel and dc have been able to produce over the last let's just say the last seven eight years not counting, you know, the previous Spider-Man that was produced by Sony and all that yeah. other stuff. But let's just focus on the last, you know, eight years. We've seen what Marvel and DC have done right. We've seen what they've done wrong. So what mistakes have you seen in the past eight years would you like to see uh, Valiant just avoid? Um, okay, so you can definitely tell exactly where Marvel like kind of went bananas with, for example, Iron Man. Mm -hmm. Like the movies are good, the second one not so good. Right. But you can tell like they could have been loads better. Right. Like I don't want to say Iron Man only works well with other characters, but that's what it seems like. Right. It seems like when he has like supporting characters, it, he just like looks better. Right. Uh, by himself, like the stories felt a little short sometimes. Mm -hmm. But as 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 a as a motley crew, it just worked out. I know for a fact, like Captain America absolutely love that shit. I think one of my favorite movies is Winter Soldier because it can stand on its own two legs without being a superhero movie. Yeah. Like, that shit's amazing. Well, and, and that's when Marvel started going for, yes, we know this is a superhero genre, but we're going to mix in other genres. So exactly. the marketing before that was like, okay, well, this is going to be a political thriller. Exactly. That was like, the lead up to that movie, that's what they kept saying, right? And then was another film um, even with the with the new Doctor Strange that's coming out, like they have a take, like they're looking to really break into the mystical side. Yeah, you know of the uh, of the universe with Ant Man. The the lead up to that was okay. We're gonna make a heist film, right? And that was awesome. That was awesome. Yeah, no doubt about that. So I think once they started mixing in those other genres or subgenres, yeah, the elements. Was... I think the material started working a lot better. Yeah, it spoke for itself. Right. It just, it, because it felt organic and it felt like it wasn't just some cookie cutter thing. Right, exactly. Just the norm again. Um, um, but I do think that, as, as you said, I think the best films in the Marvel Universe so far has revolved around Captain America. I love the first Captain America. It wasn't a perfect film. I didn't really, I didn't really like the action in that movie. 
Yeah. But I thought the story worked. I thought the characters worked. The most important thing to me is that you care about the characters. Right. Like, they, they obviously had... Honestly, they had, like, rough beginnings. But they had, like, you know, they, they struggled. Obviously, there's right. no recipe. There's no right. recipe for this shit. But that's anything in life. But, but even then, their beginnings, like, overshadow what DC has done. Right. Like, listen, I absolutely love DC. There's no... Nobody can, can fight me on that. Like, I love right. DC. But Jesus Christ... Like, yeah. what they did for Batman versus Superman. Like, first of all, the name's just fucking stupid. Right. They should just call it the world's finest. Let's right. be honest and fair. But then, if they, if they tacked on world's finest to this movie, I would have been really disappointed. Because yeah. this movie was just, it was just a mess. Like, they, the story itself just didn't make sense. It was just spackled together. And you can tell, you can tell just by the editing alone. It was just kind of like bits and pieces mixed up together. And then on, on, on moments where it should have been, like, more lighthearted, they just, like, went over the top. Right. Every time Wonder Woman showed up, they laid on the music. Right. Every time Superman tried to land, it was like Jesus coming down from the heavens. Yeah. It was just too heavy, and it just didn't make sense. So and far, their films have been extremely polarizing, and it's just turned a lot of people off. I mean, as a fan of all this shit, I'm really not inclined to go and support their other films at this point. I'm like, do I really want to waste my money? That's and the thing. see another DC related movie. That's the thing, though. I think I think the fact that they want to do dark and gritty. I don't think they understand what dark and gritty means. Right. Like, dark and gritty doesn't mean like just literally dark and gritty. It means grounded. Right. But grounded doesn't mean like oh, dark and gritty. It's not. Right. They're not the same thing. You grounded know? just means that it's relative. Like it can be relatable. Relatable to to the audience. To <laughs> the human experience. Yeah. Just right. And that's always been a problem with DC, in my opinion, is that I think Marvel, and don't get me wrong, like, for a long time, in reference to the books, most people would agree that DC had the better stories, they had more accomplished writers, but one thing that Marvel was always able to do better than DC was make their characters relatable to the audience. Yeah. From the books, to the TV shows, to the movies, and that's a key thing. You know, um, I feel like DC characters kind of, like, look down on the people, in a sense. Not look down in a bad way, but they look down in a way that we can't, we can never measure up to their stature, in a sense. Right, like, I'll never be a, a god among men. I'll never be, like, a right. billionaire, either. Right. But that's fine. Obviously, like, they, they can actually take those elements and make them more relatable still. Right. They can say, like, oh, you know... Uh, just because I wasn't a billionaire, I know what it is like to lose a parent. You know, Tony Stark is a billionaire, but he's fucked up. Like he's an alcoholic. If, he's like right. He's al- see, and and that's the roots of the book. Like he is an alcoholic. You know, with the movies, they had to change that because they were trying to make market it more to kids. Yeah, they pretty much just made him a selfish dick that was just money hungry. Yeah, he was. He was didn't uh, care about people. Self destructive. Self destructive. And so they found a way to make that work. And I know people like that, and they're nowhere near a billionaire. Yeah. Right? So you know. they found ways to make them still relatable. Because I feel like the characters in the Valiant Universe are relatable. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the, the mistakes that they need to avoid is I think they need to embrace their storylines. I think they need to embrace the costumes, color. Like, I hate when I see these movies, everything has to be devoid of color. and, yeah, and, and Dark and, and... Right. That, that doesn't have to be. No, know? does that? No, it doesn't. You know, um, you know, you want the best actors that you can find. 
you know, you want a story that that is simple and could be understood whether you're a kid or an adult. Um, Even if you get a different perspective, that's fine. Right, no. Just everybody will see something else, something yeah. different. We're okay with that. We're okay with a different perspective. But we need characters that we care about. A lot of these creators, they feel like if they make a story very complex, that they've written a good story. Or like the audience is going to be impressed. I'm not impressed by that shit. I want a clear and concise storyline. What is going on? Who are the characters? What are they about? What do they want? The most important thing in any story, I don't care if you're reading a, a comic book, a book, um, watching a movie, what does the character want? Exactly. Like, you know, and how's he going about to get it? Exactly. If That's you, it. If you can't ask yourself, well, if, you, if, if you're telling a story and you can't say, and then, right. then you don't have a story. Right. Like, oh, he went to the beach, he got there, he parked his car, and then, right. you know, right. then you don't have a solid foundation to start off with. What is that inciting incident? And at what point are we getting that inciting incident? In a movie, that should be within the first 15 to 20 minutes. Like, after 20 minutes, if we don't know... What the fuck's going on? Well, what, what's going on or what the mission of our protagonist is going to be, then then we're you're in for a ride. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, it's just hell, you know. Hell, I'm t- I'm taking the master class for Aaron Sorkin, nice. and he he t- he teaches you how to like ask the proper questions for screenwriting. Right. And he, you know, obviously, the core principles are very simple. Like, if you follow those core principles, you'll have a decent story. Right. BVS did not follow those core principles. It's no. just, it, it, I mean, I like the actors. I thought, you know. I thought Ben Affleck looked good as Batman. I mean, I, I, I learned to accept Wonder Woman, you know, even though I was skeptical at the beginning. Right. She's fine. She did a great job. Um, Henry Cavill, you know, he, he I, I honestly think he has like a decent commanding presence, but they treat the character like shit. Yeah. Like if you have a shit script and you don't, you know, if you can't, there's only so much an actor can do. Some people, right. I mean, some people might agree and then like disagree. That's fine. Like people will think he doesn't have a commanding presence. He's not like the proper guy. I think he, I think Henry Cavill looks the part. Yeah. But the only problem with Henry Cavill is, and this is not his fault, but he was given nothing to work with. Exactly. I mean, I literally don't remember him seeing any lines in BBS. Barely anything. This is still supposed to be a Superman movie, and he, the man is given nothing to say. And that is a problem. Like, so, but, and not just him. Uh, Mercy Graves. Oh. Killed in, like, like she, was, she might have not even been there right. in the movie. Like, she was nothing. Uh, Jimmy Olsen. Might as well not even been there. Uh, just a bunch of characters. Yeah. Just, and I'm like, I'm like, whoever whoever fucking wrote this has no respect for like the history of these characters, even like the lesser ones. And and I'm just sitting there like, what the fuck? This right. is nuts. This is how like I felt when they killed Han Solo. Like right. no respect. Like yeah. they didn't have to kill him. They could have just like <laughs> give him a, a proper farewell. It was. Well, I want to go back to something you said earlier because uh, you you brought the first thing you brought up was the Iron Man movies. And I thought it was very interesting that you brought that up because I felt that, okay, Iron Man was Marvel Studios' first big hit. They said, hey, we're going to start producing our own movies. That was their first big hit. Everyone loved it. Everyone could have stopped talking about it. I love the movie. Not the best third act, but for the most part, I love act one and two. No, I definitely liked it. Like, right. Obviously, is it kind of movie you can watch anytime right. and probably not get tired of it. It's not right. the best movie. It's not right. a perfect movie. But it's a decent it's start. It's a solid start. It's a decent start for sure. Now, you were talking about the sequels. The sequels is where they mess things up because 
my first question to you was, what does Valiant need to avoid in order not to make those same mistakes? And Marvel started making their mistakes within the, within the Iron Man franchise because they used that character to kind of be the glue, right? Yeah. That's when we were first introduced to Coulson. And that character was able to tie everyone together, right? But the problem with Iron Man 2 was they were trying to tell the Iron Man 2 story while trying to introduce Whiplash, like the beginnings of the Avengers and how they start to form, right? Yeah. And that's where things kind of got fucked up. It was, yeah. it was trying to go in too many different directions. Now, we know Valiant wants to do the Harbinger movie first. They're going to come out with the Bloodshot movie a year later and eventually get to um, the Harbinger Wars. Yeah. Now, and that's supposed to um, lead to, obviously, when they start doing things like Unity, that's going to be their team movie. You have um, other sequels that's going to be involved with Bloodshot and Harbinger. If you're going to do Unity, you also have to do um, the X-O Man and War movie, right? Of course. So I think they're going to continue following the Marvel playbook where they kind of introduce these characters before they all kind of you know, culminate in one big film, which is smart because obviously... DC is going the opposite route and it's not working, right? That's something they need to, need to avoid. Another lesson from DC. The way I don't want to see from Valiant is we're going to do Harbinger 2 or Bloodshot 2 and in the same breath you're trying to introduce like the Unity movie and then you kind of just ruin that movie for the, for, uh, for that protagonist. Right. Because that's what happened with Iron Man because a lot of people were disappointed with Iron Man 2. Yeah. It was kind of like, what did we just watch here? Right, like the parts where he was by himself trying to figure out what his dad left behind. That was right. great. That was great. Like that, that told the story. And, and you know, the, the interaction between like him and Fury, right. that was cool. Right. But then like Black was, Widow just popped out of nowhere. And then right. and then Whiplash was like a very forgettable villain. He, right. like, he was, and then War Machine. And right. then, you know, and I'm like, what the fuck? But granted, Marvel like learned its lesson because instead of just like blatantly putting shit out there, they just kind of like started hinting at stuff. And then in the after credits, then right. you would see how like things started to connect, like you know right. the cubes and and right. the, the the mystical items and all that shit, and that started making sense without being overly blatant right. of what's to come. So is that so. something you want to see from Valiant with their movie universe? Like, do you want them to, to plant the seeds, like you know whether it's the end credits or whatever, for their other films, or should they just follow a completely different playbook? I mean, no, what is it that you want to see? No, fuck yeah, I would love to see like some after credits stuff, like say like oh you know. Uh, Oh, there's this guy I've been listening to, spy that does so and so, and and, right. and and then they they show you like a dossier or some shit. Right. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be like blatant. You just the fans can fill in the gaps, right? Or the the, the news will eventually fill the gaps for you right. when you read out. If you're interested enough, you start reading stuff. They'll be like, oh, you know, for those that you don't know, the the little dossier they showed at the end of, of I don't know, let's say Exo Manowar, it was right. a, about this character Ninjak and, and reference, right? And and just you can read here, 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 and then everything just kind of falls into place. You know, obviously, that's that could be said about comic books in general. You know, you start you right. start reading something in, in Wikipedia, you start at Marvel, and then you end up in DC for some reason. Right? Yeah. Like, how the fuck does this happen? I started yeah. reading Spider Man, I'm reading <laughs> about like Booster Gold, and then you're like, oh, okay, so it's not they don't have to be afraid to like take some chance and just be right. a little obscure, right? You know, they have to be too blatant. It can be a little obscure. It's fine. It doesn't. You don't have to spoon feed people. Right. Yeah. I mean, but at the same time, they still have to be careful because the number one rule when you're making a film is the film has to be able to stand it on its own. I feel like with the introduction of comic books now, within the film space, that's kind of changing the rules, where 
there's things going on that if I wasn't a comic fan, I would have Wouldn't no know. idea what the fuck's going on. That is true. And that's kind of breaking the rules of cinema in a sense. So you they got to find a way to include these things, but keep everyone in the loop of what's going on. You can't just throw a bunch of obscure things at people and expect them to figure out what it is because you assume they've all read the books. Right. It can't. You can't rely on that. It has to stand on its own. So they have to kind of figure something out. They have to kind of balance what you're saying and what I'm saying. And that's not going to be easy, No, but yeah. it can get done. No, obviously. Ultimately, it falls down to like smart writing. Right. Obviously, you, you get a bunch of big brains, and they sit right. down, and they write this as smart as possible, trying to, if there's any question or any doubt, they can they can catch it before they put it out there. Right. They'll be like, all right, but, but what about this? They're like, right. oh, okay, you're right. Let me, let's just rewrite that. And yeah. So, obviously, it needs to make sense. Right. And that's 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 just up to them. Yeah, you know, we can say all we want, but like ultimately, it's up to the, the writers and, and the producers, and they need to figure the shit out. They just yeah. need to be careful how they how they do it. Right. You can't just like spackle some Hollywood shit together. No, no, no. I think that's not what we're looking for. And I think the, one of the other important things that you mentioned was just taking your time. I rather them just take their time than try to just throw everything they can at us at once just to see what sticks. I don't like that no. approach because I feel like that's what we've been getting from DC Warner Brothers. Yeah, that's a cop-out. Like, you know? That's absolute, like, shit work. We don't we don't give a shit if both moms are named Martha. That's not, that's yeah. not a story. It's not. Like, that's and it's not the resolution to two people stop fighting, by the way. But, you no. know. No, 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 no. Um, now, they haven't necessarily announced breaking into network television, but if they were to produce something for TV, what title would you like to see uh, adapted for television like which book do you think would work best for tv i think the ones i would like to see the most are probably archer and armstrong yeah and ninjack ninjack i imagine it kind of like old school like gi joe cartoons yeah like yeah. it doesn't have to be super violent right i mean they can change it around you know it's not it's not going to take away from because the character itself is, is, is interesting as shit like you right. know you don't have to like be breaking necks and shit like that's not yeah they can, they can do their own awesome story and obviously, Archer and Armstrong is like can cater to kids as well because these characters are so fucking wacky and right. crazy and fun. Um, I would love to see that shit. I still love cartoons. You know, I, it's not. Well, no, I mean, in terms of live action, like a live action. Oh, a live action, like yeah. See, see, oh yeah. shit. Uh, but no, that's cool. But you answered what you would like to see in terms of a cartoon. That's good. Now, in terms of a live action, which titles you think would work best for? Like, I personally, I think. Archer and Armstrong w would work best as like a series of some sort. It would cause because they, they travel the world. Right. Like, and I would just love to follow those two around like forever. Yeah. Because they're like that interesting. Agreed. Uh, honestly, I think Harbinger would be a great series. I think so too, yeah. Because they have a lot of diverse characters. Yeah. They have all sorts, kids, young teens, adults. Yeah. Uh, they can take the time. It's kind of like the chance for the spirit of heroes to be, right. you know, to be brought back through Harbingers. Right. Because heroes, like, started super strong. Right. And just quickly fell apart. Yeah. Hard. <laughs> and they even brought it back again. So yeah. I don't even understand how even, like, Tim Kring made that shit happen. And they still fucked it up again. Well, they, they brought it back to capitalize on just the recent success of all this shit on television. And obviously, you know, Marvel's been doing very well on Netflix. Uh, you have the CW shows that are doing very well. I mean, as shitty as they can be, I mean, I still love The Flash, but as shitty as some of those other shows can be, they're doing very well in the ratings, right? Yeah. So it's a business move. Um, what else? I mean, with with Harbinger, I, obviously they want that to be more in the cinematic end, but as you said, 
I think actually that would be very interesting on the on the TV end because TV's been doing some great things. Yeah, the last I mean, five years. Look, like, look at Daredevil. Right. Like, that shit is Amazing. the greatest shit ever. Like, it's yeah. just crazy to see it on a TV. It's just yeah. a comic book come to life. Yeah. And it's just better that way. Like, I wouldn't want to sit and see this motherfucker for an hour and a half yeah. and just let it be over. Right. I need more than that. I need continuous, like, filler. I need, I need, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I need yeah. more than that. And it's just, they have all the space to bring in other characters. Right. Which they've done an awesome job connecting them with. Right. Like, Claire Temple is probably the glue to these characters. Yeah, she is. But they she's have the Coulson of the Netflix right, universe. Right, yeah. and they've done it super well. Yeah. Not like they did with Iron Man. Like, right. like this is totally different. They've done a really good job, and she's badass. They, they and, eased into it, yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, this shit's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. And now they're having, like, what? The Punisher, Iron Fist on the way. Oh, yeah. And then Defenders. The too. Defenders. I mean, I mean, can't what, wait. Can't wait. Like, who knows what the fuck's going to happen next? Like, yeah. like It'd be fucking awesome if something like... I, I think know. we're going to get Daughters of the Dragon. We're going to get Colleen Wing and Misty Knight. We're definitely going to... There's no way that you introduce Misty Knight on Luke Cage. You introduce... You're going to introduce um, Colleen Wing on Iron Fist, and you're just going to leave it as that. Right. That I'm not buying that shit. No, that's definitely... There's more to come. They're definitely setting that up for Daughters of the Dragon series, which would be perfect because, you know, they're trying to make that push for diversity, and... You haven't had a series yet led by two women. Yeah. So it's kind of like bringing back, making like a modern day Cagney Lacey, which would be awesome, you know, in the Marvel Universe. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, in, in terms of other other um, Valiant titles, I mean, I just feel like their properties are so good that it can hold up both on the big screen and the small screen. Again, I would love to see, um, in addition to Archer and Armstrong, TV series, I would like to see a um, Quantum and Woody TV series. I think those guys would be great. Like, like just like a nice action comedy in the vein of like shows like, like 80s, Chuck. 80 shows, kind of like yeah, Miami just like, Vice, Chuck. Yeah, like where it doesn't take itself so seriously. They find ways to really input the humor and balance it out with really cool action scenes. So yeah, a, a show like Chuck, a show like, you know, even a show like Leverage. You know, something along those veins. Like, I don't want to see them take it seriously like they did for Daredevil. Daredevil works because it fits within that tone. Yeah, that person. Yeah. But doesn't mean I want to see every show that dark and moody. I think, you know, again, Archer and Armstrong and Quantum Woody would work best as, like, action-adventure series, very lighthearted, good action, really good dialogue, really good interplay you know, within the character, I mean, amongst the characters, yeah, that kind of stuff. That's why I really want to see. Um, so characters like, you know, Bloodshot, they're definitely going to work best on on the big screen. Uh, but he could also work for a Netflix t- type of deal. And where, and could, let me ask you, would you like to see it where they actually merge both TV and and like not, not like just Marvel where they do like casual sayings, but yeah. actually have them cross? Yeah. I think that would be cool. Yeah. I think they should take the yeah. risk, take the chance to do that. Yeah. Listen, they have Valiant has the biggest advantage over Marvel and DC in the fact that they got to sit back for the last ten years, even though the new Valiant has only been in in existence for the last four years. But Dinesh, who's the CEO of Valiant, I think it took them years just to be able to make the purchase. 
you know, there's a lot of legal red tape and shit, right? So they've literally been able to sit back the last eight to 10 years and just watch and learn from all the mistakes and all the things that Marvel and DC have done right. So in my opinion, there's no reason why they should have any fuck ups at all in their cinematic universe, unless it's just gonna be a clash of uh, creative differences between them and Sony. Yeah. And I really don't want Sony to get in the way. Yeah, Sony's gotten in the way way too many times, and right, and they saw it now with Spidey. They they you know they free the reins a little, and look what happened. Right, I think they need to find the proper filmmakers that they can trust, that they feel can definitely handle these properties, without, um, with without them having to really interfere, um, and again, um, the Nesh. Shamadasani, I think I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. I apologize if I'm not, but um, I believe he, you know, he went to film school, and you know, I think he has enough knowledge as a producer to know what to do right. I mean, look what they've done with the books in terms of just that aspect of production, what they expect from their writers, you know. And it's not like, you know, you just hire a writer, he just does what he wants to do. It's like, no, you have to have meetings. You have to have a lot of meetings with the editors to kind of figure out, okay, what kind of take are we going to go? What direction are we going to go with these titles, with these books? And if they could replicate what they've done on the publication side with their multi-platform side, with the cartoons, the TV series, and the, and the big movies, I think they're going to be more successful than Marvel and DC combined. Yeah. I, I really believe that. I think all they need is just that one big hit on the cinematic universe where people, comic fans, the comic fans who are not necessarily Valiant readers, but know of their existence, will start to be more intrigued with what's going on in the Valiant universe. Yeah, just, just take Deadpool, for example. They took a chance. Right. They slashed their budget in half, and they still took a chance. And look, right. made a shit ton of money. Made a shit people, ton of people money. People loved it, you know. And yeah. it, and it didn't take itself way too seriously. It right. wasn't the greatest plot. It just told a story. Right. And it was a good story. And everybody loved it. That's all it takes. Yeah. They already have the foot in the door. Yeah. They just have to lay it out. Right. In the proper, in the proper way, I guess. Listen, I hope the Ninjak versus the Valiant Universe goes very well. I hope that brings them a lot of notoriety. Yeah. Yeah. Let that shit go viral. And I just hope they make the best decisions as they can for their cinematic universe. Now, before we uh, close out, how about we just kind of like, just for a little bit of fun, we just could name like who some of our casting choices would be. Let's do it. You know? So, all right. Since Archer and Armstrong is one of your favorite books, who would you like to see just play those two roles? Hmm. I. Oh, let's no see. judgment. <laughs> let's see. Let me think. Who could play those roles? It's because, like, the magic of Hollywood, man. They can turn anybody into anyone. That's true. And that's uh, the great thing about being an actor. Yeah. You know. Let me think. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing uh, maybe Asa Butterfield as Archer. Okay. Or. Um, Logan Lerman. Logan Lerman would be good. Uh, and for for Armstrong, shit. Uh, I mean, as as you said, you know, 
Oh, yeah. I, you, you know what your pick is. During so our I'll, Fred so Valenti interview, yeah. I'll pick a different one. I think, god damn. After, so I've seen a few things recently with this guy. I think he would, after some fine-tuning, he kind of he fit the role pretty well. It would probably be John Hamm. John Hamm? John Hamm. Really? Yeah, it's because I've seen a lot, I've seen him in Black Mirror. He has a lot of like reach, uh, range. Yeah, yeah. okay. And, uh, he'd be pretty decent, I think, because he, he I've seen him I've seen him in the la- like Last Man on Earth, and I've seen him in Black Mirror. Yeah, the guy has like a lot of range. Like he can right. he can definitely pull some something like that off. That's good. I mean, or or Kyle Chandler. Okay. All right. I mean, again, this is all about range, and sometimes we we kind of underestimate. The abilities of an actor, right? Time and time, Heath Ledger. Oh yeah, like no know. one was excited when he got announced. Tom Hardy is Bane, you know that yeah. shit was. Yeah. Tom Michael Keaton is Batman. Right, true. So you don't know until you know, like yeah. that's and that's awesome. Even though even when I was younger, it was, it was crazy. I was I've been casting since then, but I remember when I first saw Batman '89, and, and I thought to myself, wouldn't Alec Baldwin make more sense than than Michael Keaton? That is true. That would be like a young him. Yeah, yeah, because you know, because you got to think about Alec Baldwin at that time. I mean, young guy, handsome guy, playboy look, tall, dark hair. I mean, the guy looked like a live action Bruce Bruce Wayne. Wayne. Yeah. And think about this. What, four years later or five years later, he went out to do The Shadow. That is true. Right? Uh... Like this kind of. Batman-like character. So I, I think in some ways it was kind of like, man, we probably wanted this guy, but we didn't get him. And maybe Alec Baldwin was like, man, I kind of missed that opportunity. And he decided to do The Shadow, which was kind of a shitty movie. Um, but yeah, my pick for um, Armstrong, which everyone knows at this point, is uh, Gerard Butler. Yeah. For oh. Archer, I would go with uh, Spencer Clark. You know, he's been on shows like Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. He played the... Um, the son of, uh, I think it was like Ben, ben Strucker. Or yeah. One of those fucking characters. I don't know. Um, he was also in The Last Exorcism Part 2. Uh, Mystic River. Oh, shit. He was also the kid in Gladiator. Yeah. The little boy in Gladiator. Yep. Yeah, that was him. Yeah. That was him. Um, so that would be awesome. For Now for Ninjak, who would you cast? I already have my pick. Hmm, shit, for Ninjak? There's one guy in Hollywood that makes just too much sense. And I'm surprised that they didn't try to cast him for the YouTube series. I'm very surprised. Let me think. For Ninjak, I probably have to pick... Fuck. Uh, I would go... Like, I, I think I have three. Whoa. I, I, I would either go with... You went from saying, I don't know who I would have picked to having three? That's impressive. Yeah, I thought about three. So, I can't remember his name, but the guy played uh, Jason Street in Friday Night Lights. I don't think I ever saw that. Okay. So, the guy also, the guy that played Gambit in the, uh, what was it, Wolverine Origins? Oh, uh, Taylor Kitsch? Yeah, I can see him. And the last one being uh, Jack from uh, Lost. Oh, like, uh, Matthew Fox? Yeah. He's a little older, but yeah. I, I can see him do it. Um, the problem I have with Taylor Kitsch is that he seems to ruin everything that he's involved in. Hey, man, same can be said about uh, Dylan McDermott. Every show he's in is always get canceled. That's true. Very true. But I respect Dylan McDermott. Um, <laughs> wait, the practice was on for like seven seasons. Yeah, but it's just like that one-off, you know. It, yeah. you know. You know, he was actually my pick originally for Tony Stark. 
I mean, they almost picked Tom Cruise, so. Yeah. I mean, who would, you, who would your pick be for Ninjak? So, my pick for Ninjak, and again, this just makes too much sense, is. Is it Harvey Specter? No. Oh. You know uh, Scott Atkins? Scott Atkins. The names just sound familiar. He did movies like um, he was in the the sequels for um, for Undisputed Two, Undisputed Three. He was also in um, oh man, he's basically like okay. So Scott Atkins is like kind of like a B movie actor. Okay, but he actually has a really good fan base because people love the Undisputed movie. So, Wesley Snipes did the first Undisputed movie back in like 2001, 2002. And then the sequels, like the straight-to-video DVDs came out, right? And those got really popular among the fans. And all of a sudden, like, everyone fell in love with uh, Scott Atkins. And he also did um, a movie called uh, Ninja. And in... So in the movie Ninja, yeah. So he Scott Atkins did a movie called Ninja, right, where he plays a protagonist, and the antagonist in that movie, coincidentally enough, has like this uh, super tech ninja suit. Okay. Which is very similar to fucking Ninjak, but in but think about this with Ninjak, right? Ninjak is British, knows martial arts, is a spy. Scott Atkins is British. And knows martial arts, dark hair, has the look, and I think could totally pull off um, the role of uh, Colin King, a.k.a. Ninjak, especially with the action portion of it. Yeah. Um, now, Scott Atkins is so perfect for this role that I don't think he's ever going to get it because, you know, that's just the way my life goes, right? That's who my pick would be for Ninjak. Who would you cast for XO Man of War for the role of Arik? Someone big, someone like, someone like, what's his face? The guy that just played Tarzan, Alexander Skarsgård, that would be my pick. I think, because, dude, I mean, what he did for fucking Tarzan, yeah. his body looks fucking unbelievable. Yeah. Like, and, and plus, he already has the long hair there. Right. Kind of fits the role, you know? Animalistic. Right. Warrior. I think he could do it. I, I agree with you. I think he's a good pick. Unfortunately, the guy who would be my pick can not do this role because he's already done Thor. That's Chris Hemsworth. That is true. He would. Who looks exactly like Arik, but that would be like the ultimate crazy, you know, typecasting and it it wouldn't make any sense for them to do. But I do think Alexander would be a good pick. Um, I also think um, Clint Eastwood's son. Is it Scott Eastwood? Dude, Scott for sure, dude. Yeah, Scott Eastwood would be good for that role as well. You know. Gotta get his name out there. Yeah. Like a nice breakout role, like a nice franchise to be attached with, I think would be awesome. Um, you know who I thought they can use? Not not for Ark, but for maybe Peter Stanchek or you know one of those characters or oh. Archer maybe. Who? Jack O'Connell. He's exactly. su- dude. He is like he's gonna be the best actor soon enough. Like he's done some amazing shit. He did uh, what is it? Startup. He did Money Monster. Um, he's done a few films. He's only 25 years old. The guy's amazing. The guy oh, is like... Oh, I see. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. He guy. was in the... Uh, unfortunately, he was in the 300 uh, sequel. Yes, he was. The Rise of an Empire. He was mad young, too. But, dude, now, what he's doing now... He did, uh, what is it, 71, which is about the troubles in, in Ireland. Right. Uh, dude, amazing actor. That guy is straight baller, dude. Amazing. And you want him for Peter Stanchek? 
Like, he would be great for Peter Stan For Peter Stanchek or maybe Archer. Don't you think he looks a little too old, though? Dude, he's only 25. Like, uh, you know, Hollywood magic and all that shit. Yeah. It's just, he's just, like, all-around amazing actor. Like, I could see him, you know, if, you if, 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 if like, any, any comic book company is making movies, like, if they don't use him for something, like, they're really missing out. I agree with you. Like, he belongs in one of these movies, but I think he looks way too old for Peter Stanchek. A lot of it has to do with the fact that He's got kind of like a square jaw that makes him look that much older. That's true. But then again, he is British. I would, I would like to see him one of these properties. You know, he's a little short to play someone like Arik, but they can find a way to kind of mask that, pull it off. But what I like about this guy, I would say, is that he has a very intense look. Yeah, you know what he could do? Like, a, like if they, if they were to do the Adventures of Ninjak. As yeah. he went up to becoming ninja, right. he would be like like a young like Colin King kind of. Yeah, I could kind of see that. Um, he, the guy does have a good look though. All right, all right. So this is an obvious answer, but who would you pick for Faith for um, from Harbinger? Are you shitting me, Rebel Wilson? Like I, I love her. She's yeah. the best in Pitch Perfect. She's clearly perfect for that. And the last person I would say is Harada. Who would you pick? I mean, it's it's either fucking. Shang Tsung from Mortal Kombat or Ken Watanabe? Ken Watanabe, man. Like, who, it's got to be, like, yeah. Who else would it be? It's, yeah. He literally is the character. Yeah, basically, he was, uh, like, the way Patrick Stewart was born to play the role of Professor X, Ken Watanabe, Rebel Wilson are, are tailor-made to do Faith and Harada. Agreed, dude. All right. We've had enough fun. Time to close up shop, guys. Thank you so much for listening in. You're here to hear talked all about Valiant Comics and their yeah. multi-platform, their movies, their cartoons, TV shoots, hopefully lunchboxes and action figures. Yeah. Um, obviously, you, you have Brave Dave, you have me and Play Dead, and, you know, we thank you so much. You know, stick with us. Next episode will be the review of Doctor Strange. Hopefully, it's a good film. Damn right. You know, it will be. Uh, so, thank you so much for listening, guys. We'll see you next time. Peace.